0: Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way.
1: Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone, I'm Wanda Wallace. It seems to be a day when you pick up the newspaper, either companies or people or politicians seems to be apologizing. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me there's more apologies than ever. So you're even seeing ad campaigns with apologies. I mean, think about Facebook, or think about Wells Fargo as a bank, or think about a whole host of characters that have offered personal apologies. Well, we're not going to talk about apologies, but we are going to talk about the flip side of that, which is the act of forgiveness. Now, the truth is that stuff goes wrong. Sometimes people will disappoint you. And if we're honest, sometimes you are going to disappoint other people. So what's the process for forgiving when a commitment is broken or when an injury has been created? Can you forgive? Is it possible? How do you rebuild trust? Is that even possible? And if you did have to offer an apology, is there anything we're going to learn out of all of this that helps us to be more effective in offering an apology? That's what we're going to talk about today. And with me is a very special guest, Dr. Mac Wallace. Mac has 30 years, over 30 years of experience helping people work together in all aspects of life. And his perspective on what it takes to create and sustain relationships, to build and rebuild trust, and to forgive, comes from his experience with families, with churches, and with communities. He is an ordained minister, but he is also a supervisor of clinical pastoral education, He's a senior professor of pastoral care at Campbell University Divinity School. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a CPE supervisor, and an approved supervisor with the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy. Um, There are a few more degrees that can go at the end of his name, but I think you get my point. He has an awful lot of experience in understanding the interpersonal dynamics in relationships, particularly when stuff goes wrong and how we move past it. So, Mac, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you. Good to speak with you.
1: It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, we've spoken about this briefly once before, but we had such interest in that little you know, few minutes that I want to come back now and do a deeper dive on forgiveness in and of itself. So right. you say, and I quoted you at the beginning, that everyone will be disappointed. Why do you say that?
2: well we're all human beings and human beings are not perfect we all make mistakes regardless of uh, of how how you think you're perfect we're not uh, so we we're all going to make mistakes and part of the process of being a healthy mature adult is being able to admit your mistakes to say yes i was wrong but we all we're all going to do it and uh Oftentimes we we disappoint people and don't know we've done it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't mean to; it's not intentional, but uh, we, it happens. So we're all in the same boat with in terms of being hurt, disappointed, betrayed. Um, we're all alike. Um, okay. All
1: right. I, that's interesting. We're all alike in being hurt, disappointed, and betrayed. You know, we often think about betrayed as like, "Whoa, that's one of those big ones out there."
2: Well, no, not necessarily. Um, betrayed is when you, know, you can betray a confidence. Um, you can uh, betray someone by saying something about them that is not helpful to them. Uh, betray a relationship. I mean, there are lots of ways. You know, in marriage, it's, a, it's usually betrayal is around infidelity. Uh, or, but in relationships, we, get, we betray in a lot of different ways. And everyone and, does it yeah, one way or everyone. another
1: <laughs> that's a hard one to swallow
2: that's the everyone hard one to swallow <laughs> that is the we hard one it. to swallow you're absolutely right coming gotcha. to terms well actually coming to terms with our full humanity is a real hard difficult, it's a difficult thing to do because we all want to be right we we want to be right uh i think uh I think Terry real's the person that said this, but you can either be married or be right, whichever one you want.
1: <laughs> we might say employed or be right, too. That may the be same. true,
2: too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love that. All right, so coming but, to terms but with our but,
2: but actually the ability to to, to have, confess a mistake or to admit a mistake, and that's something parents really should be practicing modeling for their children, teaching them how to do it. When you make a mistake, oh, I was wrong, I should have, you know, um, if if children if you model to children perfection that they only see you as a perf- perfect person always then that's their goal and that's not attainable.
1: It's not attainable. Oh boy, I know a lot of people who certainly are trying that work and at home to be perfect. Yes. Um yes. We've talked um, a lot of times on this show about the notion of vulnerability and that willingness to show your humanity to show the imperfections, to admit the mistakes, and be okay with that. And that's exactly what I think you're talking about here, same concept. Yes. Okay? Absolutely. All right, yes. so if we start with this premise that all of us are capable of disappointing, of betraying, of hurting, um, of disappointing people that we care about, sometimes intentionally, sometimes quite accidentally, we all do it. Okay, so now you say there's. I have to recognize there's no difference between me who has been disappointed, and the other person who has disappointed. Explain what you mean by that.
2: Well, there may be character differences. I mean, some people will disappoint, hurt, betray, because they're not trustworthy. They're, just, they're mm-hmm. not trustworthy and shouldn't be trusted. Um, so, so I'm not talking about character differences. I'm talking about just basic human uh, activities, human relationships, um, <laughs> that we all do it uh, knowingly or unknowingly. Um but, but the reality is there are some people uh there are some people that should not be trusted. Right. Uh they're not trustworthy, um and the basic character the their basic character is just not a not not a safe person to be to be vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And I wanna say one more thing about vulnerability. Uh, to be vulnerable when it's not safe is just stupid. Uh, vulnerability is helpful when it's in a in a an, an environment that you think reasonably have reasonable uh, right to think that it's fairly safe emotionally. Okay, yeah.
1: it's. Um, I was doing some pretty intense work with a top team today. And one of the cha- one of the things that we have everybody's been talking about is the Google research. On what makes for their top performing teams and one of the top characteristics they talk about is having psychological safety in the team and I think that's what you're saying here is that there's enough safety that it's okay for me to admit my mistakes without massive consequences in fact it can be quite helpful to talk about the mistakes that we've made and to learn from those mistakes
2: same concept yes yes exactly right exactly right in fact, when I, when I treat married couples, that is the issue. It has to be safe, particularly for men. Um, if, if it's not a safe environment, men typically will shut up. They will shut down, will not talk, withdraw, stonewall. And so creating, the, creating an environment where you feel safe to be able to be yourself and to let your vulnerability show. And, okay. and vulnerability is what's required to build community. You can't, you really can't build real community without authentic vulnerability or, or real relationships. You just okay. have to have a certain level of it. Right.
1: We could extend that to say for relationships, for trust, for collaboration. So yes. We're, we're getting a little off on the topic of um, forgiveness, but it's important. What does it take to create a psychological safety so people can be
2: vulnerable? Well, most of it is around judgment. Um, we tend to be we we tend to judge others, um, and and the irony is that we tend to judge in others the things we do not like about ourselves. And so, when, so judgment is is if, if if I'm feeling judged by you, or verbally or non-verbally, uh, I'm going to be really careful about what part of me I let you see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so judgment and the inability to accept. Someone who is different or different opinions, they're the reasons that we, um, you yeah, know, that, that's, that's one of the reasons we, vulnerability is, is, is necessary to be able to connect people.
1: The um, So, uh, as I've said many times, I do an awful lot of work around creating inclusive cultures, places where people yeah. with different perspectives, different genders, different ethnicities, all sorts of differences, mm-hmm. come together and create an environment where they're actually learning from each other. They're open to hearing from each other's experiences. And this this whole piece of feeling that I can be accepted with my difference as opposed to I have to be like you in order to be accepted is sort of the right. cornerstone of what makes all of that work. And that's exactly what you just said on the psychological safety, that I yeah. have to feel I'm not being judged and I have to be accepted for someone who is different, as someone who is
2: different, right. and that is so particularly true as as we we work with more and more different cultures. Um, you know, I find that I find that a lot in working with uh, Caucasians and African American ministers. Uh, their okay. cultures are so different, and often yeah. they hide things from each other because they don't feel like they'll be accepted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think we see that uh, the world over, in every country, in every location, on a whole yes. range of ethnic and gender differences as well.
2: Yes, and those right. are the places that those and those are the places we injure people, uh, and and oftentimes don't know it. It is pretty easy to 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 step on a landmine in a in a in a foreign language, a foreign culture, an unfamiliar culture, and not mm-hmm. even know that you're. It wouldn't be, wouldn't not be something important in your culture. That's right. But it's pretty easy to step on a landmine in someone else's culture.
1: I had we exactly- do it all the time. Yeah, I had exactly that on gender a couple of weeks ago. I was giving a talk, and somebody in the audience, um, a male, says something which is genuine, respect of his experience and his belief system, and boy, does it create an explosion in the room! And the, the poor guy had no clue what it was he actually said. He didn't. Mean, yeah. I don't think he meant it the way it was heard. Yeah. But anyway, right.
2: we're getting I, sidetracked. And oh, at the seminary, we've done some. Uh, uh, reconciliation uh, meetings, yeah. primarily with Caucasians and African American uh, students, and uh, I'm always amazed at when we talk about we talk about uh, the injuries that have happened between the cultures. I'm always amazed at how blindsided people are; they they, they have no awareness that that hurt you. It amazes me, but it happens all the time.
1: I think it does. So in this, reconciliation takes us back to the topic of forgiveness. In this whole notion of reconciliation, how does that process work? What happens there?
2: Well, <clears throat> oftentimes it takes a conversation. Um, and, and that when in, in the arena of forgiveness, that's one of the things that we need to decide. It, it's important to decide up front. Uh, is a conversation possible? Uh, is it necessary? Um, would it be helpful? Um, but often, but conversations is what it takes. And the other part is confession. And confession is not, the, I'm sorry if I've hurt you. I'm sorry if I said anything to hurt you. That's not confession. Confession okay. is specific. I am sorry I did this, and I know it hurt you. Uh, That can be heard, and forgiveness is easier with that. But, but, anyway.
1: So just saying, I'm sorry, is inadequate.
2: Absolutely inadequate. It's not a... a, Forgiveness, in relationships, forgiveness comes or is built on on the top of honest confession. Uh, let me talk about married couples. Uh, when I treat married couples who, are, who have dealt with an infidelity, um, one of the things they need to talk about is answers, honestly answering some questions because they have mm-hmm. questions that, uh, mm-hmm. that are troubling them. The timing of that is important, of course, in, in therapy, but, but those questions need to be answered, uh, need to be confessed, um, and that's hard to do. I mean that's just hard work, I and mean, we get back again to emotional safety. If it's not psychologically safe, you're not going to be vulnerable. You're not going to confess, and that's the kind of stuff that absolutely necessary to to reach forgiveness uh, interpersonally.
1: Okay, okay. This whole notion that this forgiveness needs to be, or the the confession needs to be specific and there has to be a sincerity in it and i have to be able to ask questions as in the why did you do it or yep. what were you thinking when you were doing and have those honestly answered certainly helps explain why some of the public apologies feel so hollow because they are they're hollow. absent of all of those qualities
2: exactly yes and, and the and the hollow of the, the specifics that that's the that's the main one. Um, and right. they have to be... They, again, confession is a religious word, but I think it's a good word for this when we're talking about forgiveness, which is also a religious word, I think. But. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: Uh, and that's okay, too. The, what about this notion that um, I don't want to forgive? I do to want to uh, forget about it. I don't want to forgive you.
2: I'm still angry with right. you. Oh, yes. Well... One, one of the things that keeps us from forgiving is that we, we feel empowered when we can hold on to a grudge. Um, the, unfortunately, the evolutionary process of our brain uh, leaves us with uh, more uh, effort towards the fearful, anxious, angry side of our brain than the loving, caring side of our brain. Uh, I think that's that was evolutionary to, to protect us. Um, to, but, but we're, we're, we're our brain likes that for one thing. And if we feel empowered when we have a grudge and we've, it, it's a superior, uh, position really that, uh, I'm, I am, I've never seen, I don't have it done anything wrong, but you have. Mm-hmm. And the other thing j the, the grudge, uh, the grudge does is it, it gives us the illusion that that somehow we can change the past that it can, that it will be that it can be different and, and part of the whole process of beginning forgiveness is is coming to terms with you're not going to have a different history that's not going that's not that part is not going to change. Um, okay. Um. <clears throat>
1: So wait, hold anyway, on, what do you mean by this no different history? Do you mean that whatever hurt I feel from whatever injustice has done is just going to be a part of my history? Is that what you mean?
2: No. I mean the, the, the manager who, who uh, betrayed a trust and I lost the position. Uh, okay. The truth is that's not going to be undone. Uh, and coming to terms with that piece of history, um, that, that's not going to be undone. You're going, that's, part, that's what you got to learn to live with. This is what has happened. This is our history. And this is what we've got to live with. Um, it, again, I come back to marriage. It's like when, when a betrayal has happened uh, in a marriage, um, you know, the, the uh, illusion that we can somehow erase that betrayal and go back to where we were is what is false but we can't do it uh the relationship you had before is dead you have to start a new one what what kind of relationship we're going to have now
1: okay all right so if i take it back to a concrete example i think of where um an employee thought that a manager had sort of promised promotion kind of promised promotion, the manager doesn't necessarily see that, and then the employee is embarrassed because, and disappointed and disillusioned and feels betrayed because I thought you promised me, and the manager would say no, I haven't promised. The truth is that employee didn't get that promotion, and the nature of the relationship between that employee and the manager has now changed. It can be productive going forward, but it will be different.
2: Yeah. You get that straight? It will not be like it was before. And part, part of the process of forgiveness is trying to determine how important the relationship is and what kind of relationship can we have.
1: Well, does that really make it difficult? If I'm starting to say now, if I'm going to forgive you, that means we have to redefine our relationship. But that doesn't mean we have to redefine it in a distrustful way. I can actually redefine it in a trustful way.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, sometime we were talking Charles Green's work, and that yes. I, I really like um, his work around uh, building trust and having trust. I, I, um, yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, but, Charles
1: is just for the record for everybody. Um, I'm a big fan of Charles's formula. He says that trustworthiness is judged by my credibility, meaning I know what I'm talking about. By my reliability, I do what I say I'm going to do. And by intimacy, that um, vulnerability in effect, and some of that's around psychological safety, all, of course, divided by the self-interest. So the higher the self-interest in the person or in the environment, the lower the levels of trustworthiness. Charles will also say it's the intimacy... That saw, that drives the equation about ninety percent of it, and he said, just to go on on this topic on forgiveness, he says that it's not true that you can't uh, rebuild trust. That trust can be rebuilt immediately, but it takes a high degree of intimacy. See, the yes. only one you can't rebuild is credibility.
2: Right. Yes. Yes. You. You. Credibility has to do with your track record. And yeah. it has to do with your ability, to, your dedication to truth, is what I say. Okay. Um, okay.
1: You, if, if, if. I Guess someone else on the show said, "I love this quote." They said, that, "You know that you should never make a promise to, that you're going to do something unless you're 100% sure you can live with it. You can do it. You can deliver it." Yeah. What would that change our equation if we had to say, "Am I 100% sure that next year and the year after I'm going to be able to do this? And if not, then we should make a change."
2: Well, okay. another – another. Wait, one more thing to say about that. Uh, it, uh, we should not cri- be critical or negative about another person unless we're 100% we're correct, too.
1: Okay. Wow. We do
2: that on what we've – sometimes we, we hurt people based on what we've heard, uh, based on intuition, mm-hmm. uh, instead of the, the actually, actual facts.
1: or based on, as we've said before, based on the fact that you just see it differently than I do and then we get a judgment going about that and so we're off. So Now, let's say I'm, you know, in a working environment, um, let's say with a peer, with somebody that I've worked closely with and I feel like that peer has done something wrong that has hurt me, that they've betrayed a trust or they haven't delivered what they promised they would deliver or some variation on that theme. And I want to start the process of forgiveness. Do I initiate with my peer and say, Hey, you did wrong. I mean, how, how do I go about that?
2: Well, if it's a peer and you want to maintain the relationship, uh, that's where you, yes, you do. If they're not, if they've not recognized it or they're not willing to, uh, to confess, um, now, I think it's worth taking the step of saying, listen, um, I've been hurt by this, and I'm having a hard time forgiving you. I need to, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who who's, is trustworthy, a peer, a peer who's trustworthy is the kind of peer that would say, yes, tell me how, this, how I've hurt you. Um, mm-hmm. And if someone comes to you and says, listen, I want to talk to you about how I've hurt you, not many of us are going to turn that down. Yeah. Not unless yeah. The, not unless the wound is too raw. Right. And sometimes that's the other thing about forgiveness. Um, premature forgiveness is, I think, what we what we get in the media. Okay. Um, I see this with married couples again that they an uh, infidelity or something has happened and uh, the unfaithful one just forgive me, please forgive me, um, and to do that prematurely. Uh, Is not helpful. Well, what I say to couples, I, it, it, when they talk like that in, in front of me, I say, we'll get there, but that's going to be the last thing we do. We've got a lot okay. of other work to do before we get there.
1: Okay. So, how do I know if I'm ready to forgive?
2: Well, part of it has to be with, with some, ability, some emotional objectivity. Uh, okay. The ways we've been hurt, uh, the emotional experiences, all emotional experiences are built on the ones that the emotional experiences. That have gone before Mm -hmm. so uh, sometimes and oftentimes the ways that we get hurt most are built on top of the pains and injuries we've had earlier in our life Mm -hmm. sometimes in childhood sometimes the injuries we're not even aware of and have not uh, taken a look at uh, and that's what takes away our ability to have objectivity and and Mm -hmm. what what happens is we start assigning motives you Mm -hmm. did this because um, uh, I, I think, uh, I, I try to help people expand motives, how, how, at least 10 reasons a person could have done that, uh, <laughs> rather than just, just one motive. Right. And when we right. assign motives, we're usually pretty wrong, <laughs> we miss right. a lot of stuff.
1: It's funny, I say the same thing to all of my coaching clients, that I swear, as soon as you have decided somebody did that because, the intention, the motive, 99% of the time you're going to be wrong.
2: Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. It's it's
1: fascinating how frequently that actually comes out that way. All right. So, this means that in order to get ready to forgive, I have to be able to get some emotional objectivity. And some of that is understanding my own past experiences where similar things have been, I've been hurt before in similar ways or in slightly different ways. And the other person has to be willing to come to a confession to say in a very specific way, I realize doing this specific thing hurt you and I'm sorry. Right. And we have to create a space that's safe for that conversation. There have to be enough psychological safety. Yes. And we have to want to sustain the relationship.
2: Yes. And we have to be ready for the process. Okay. We ought to be be ready. We're ready to do this. Okay. Um. That, and, and ready to give to to give up our grudge again. a okay. grudge has the illusion of empowerment and protection. Okay. That's great. And, um, All right. And some people. You you said earlier. Some people just don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, my comment about that is, they, uh, people who do not want to, who want to hold on to grudges, do not realize the emotional energy they're spending maintaining that. It takes an yeah. enormous amount of energy, and those are the sleepless nights, and those are the internal conversations we have. I wish I had said this, and those—that's what the grudges drive us to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I'm not going to open up with anybody who's at all remotely like this person because they may also disappoint me, and therefore we undercut our ability to have strong relationships in other places.
2: Right. I'm not going to trust anybody else in this organization because they're all alike, and that's, yes. that's just not emotional objectivity. That <laughs> okay. is built on past experiences.
1: Okay. All right. Now I understand why forgiveness is so exceedingly difficult. Because if you just list all the things that we've said it takes in order to genuinely forgive, one, I have to be willing to let go of a grudge. I can't get the power kick out of feeling superior out of that one. I have to be ready for the process. I have to be convinced that the relationship is ultimately worth forgiving. I have to be willing to get some emotional objectivity. And the other person has to be willing to confess very specifically what they did and to apologize for that. And it may mean I have to say, hey, this hurt, because you may not know that what you did hurt. And that, boy, is that a heavy-duty set of processes.
2: That is hard to do. That is not an easy process. Okay. All right. And and that's why we call for forgiveness is a process and not an event.
1: Ah, uh, process. Yeah. One nine. conversation
2: may not be enough, okay? To, because it, to get again, it. Forgiven. I,
1: I may have to go back and ask questions. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? What right. so you think yeah. what was happening? Yeah. Okay? All right, I okay. get it. Forgiveness then, yeah. is a process. All right, we're going to take a break at this point. With me today is Dr. Mac Wallace. He has over 30 years experience helping people work together in all aspects of life to create and sustain relationships, to build and rebuild trust, and to forgive. And his experience comes from families, churches, and communities. When we come back, I want to talk about the other half of forgiveness, which is when the other person is not going to say, I'm sorry, now what do you do? And we'll be right back.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com you're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. How is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Sergio Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time
1: on the Voice America Business Channel. With me today is Dr. Mac Wallace. He has over 30 years experience helping people work together in all aspects of life to create and sustain relationships, to build and rebuild trust, and to forgive. We've been talking about the process of forgiveness and why it is so difficult to forgive. And one of the interesting things Mac said earlier is this whole notion that holding a grudge, not forgiving somebody, actually makes me feel more powerful. And the argument is that from an evolutionary point of view, our brain is a bit wired to be fearful and to protect ourselves. So therefore, we've got lots of energy around avoiding people being fearful of people being angry with people and learning to let go of that and embrace the other is not necessarily the easiest thing to do from an evolutionary point of view. And as we've been talking, the process of forgiveness is actually also takes time and my own work. From emotional objectivity to the willingness to let go of the grudge, to willingness to reinvent the relationship, um, to the willingness to deal with my own history and past and so forth. So there's a lot in it that's beyond just, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Now we've been talking about this where it's a relationship that you want to invest in and therefore it's worth going through the process of forgiveness. But sometimes the injury that has been caused or the harm that has been done or the injustice and betrayal is done by somebody that you're never going to have the conversation with for a host of reasons um, from it's a manager you're never going to see again or you know maybe the person is no longer even alive or it's not worth they're not trustworthy it's not going to invest in the relationship. Now the question is, what's the pro- what happens in the forgiveness process then? Because as Mac just said, holding on to that grudge for so long takes emotional energy. Before I turn and on that, I have one more thing to say. And that comes at this perspective from families and from churches and from communities, I think, and this is a religious topic, as Max said, is forgiveness is a religious word. I think it is hugely important for companies and for the culture of our companies, particularly as we're trying to look at building inclusivity. We're talking more and more about trust, and we want to create cultures that are collaborative, and those require that we get more skilled at this process of human interaction and forgiveness. Okay, so, Max, over to you. What do I do when the person I then I'm holding a grudge and I need to forgive somebody but we're never going to have the conversation
2: well the first thing I would say is uh, just sort of ask yourself one question Uh, um, who is it that I need to confess to that I've hurt and ask for forgiveness Experiencing in the process yourself is one major way of knowing what you need from another person um Uh and if if you've never if you if you whole if uh you've never uh confessed you've never done anything wrong you've never said to someone i'm sorry I've hurt you uh you're probably gonna have a harder time forgiving because uh, you're not you not have the experience so i, I would say uh, understanding that part of ourselves that we all need to confess something or need to be forgiven for something um we all need that experience and so that's that's the that's the, the first thing. The second thing want we'll to say is that that in these when when you're not going to have a relationship or or contact or con- conversation with with the person who has injured you, um, the the forgiveness is not about them. Uh, it's about you, and it's about something you discover inside of yourself. Uh, and, and I, I have, uh, I've seen people who, in fact, I've had experiences with someone who says, oh, um, I have worked so hard and I've finally forgiven you. And I'm thinking, what? I, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> I didn't know, know that was going on. Um, and so I, the, the thing I would say about that is that this work that you do is internal, personal work. And the person you're forgiven does not need to know you've forgiven them. It's not important for them to know that. In fact, telling them about it is serving yourself, it's not serving anything else. So um, the, the the process is a personal process and it, sometimes it takes uh, some an, an outside voice, a uh, more objective voice to help us do something with the motives that we've assigned. Uh, and also help us to to come to terms with the parts we have played in this injury. Uh, oftentimes, we have a role in it too. And so, the, holding the grudges uh, has a way of of uh, telling us or con, uh, convincing ourselves that we didn't do anything, and we were injured by this person. They did it all, and that mm-hmm. that's really not true. Oftentimes. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, but the, anyway, it's about ourselves and it's for ourselves it's for me. it is not for this other person that mm-hmm. that I do not know
1: okay yeah. so forgiveness is for me. Can you talk through a little bit like either an example or just in the steps what that internal work process looks like
2: Well, yes, um. Uh, Part of it is the specificity of it, uh, being uh, specific uh, about how we've been injured. Um, Sometimes we exaggerate our injuries, even to ourselves, Mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, as a way of documenting or a way to empower us more. And so so part of it is is getting clear internally and getting clear with, with some specificity about what actually injured us. Mm-hmm. And the other piece is what our contribution to that it, it may sometimes it's not any, but oftentimes it is if it is, it is very important that we come to terms with that piece of it before we can okay. go, before we can move on okay. and, and, and finally, and one more thing we need to also just keep in our eyesight that our past injuries are contributing to the present one. Most okay. of our emotional emotional pain is influenced. By emotional injuries of our past. Wow.
1: Reminds me of a person I was coaching, this has been a few years ago, who was messing up. I mean, performance was, you know, like in trouble. This particular person's performance was just not, they're in risk of getting fired. And as you unpack why something hadn't been done and something else hadn't been done and something else hadn't been done, what you find at the end of it is that the individual was fundamentally afraid that the way they had been rejected in a past team was going to be repeated today. Right. And while there were some parallels, what they were carrying was that fear. And that right. fear that you were going to do it to me again was actually damaging performance. But that's what yeah. you mean, that we have to keep in mind that our past interviews are contributing
2: to the yes, moment. Yes, and that's what keeps us from being vulnerable. That's what makes, keeps us afraid. Fear is the word. We, that We, we uh, hide because we're afraid. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we uh, withdraw because we're afraid. We don't perform because we're afraid. A lot of that is... Uh, yes. Fears is a big motivating factor, and it's based on our past experiences. Okay. Not all All a friend of mine used to say. It's not about 2018.
1: (laughs) That's easier said than done. Okay. (laughs) Let me give you two cases and see what advice you would do. And, you know, recognizing that your experience comes from the communities and families and therapies and so on, but I'm going to still bet it works pretty well in the corporate world. So let's take someone, um, let's call this individual Tim, whose manager has not been the best manager in the world. So we've got a lot of yelling, we've got a lot of false accusations, we've got a lot of you know screaming inappropriately, we've got a lot of name calling, we've got a lot of blaming coming from the manager. And I wouldn't hold this manager up as exemplar manager by any stretch of the imagination. And put enormous pressure on Tim, so much so that Tim is losing sleep, um, not, you know, kind of causing stress at home with family as well as with spouse, with the kids. I mean, all, you know, all sorts of just at heart problems. And we're having all sorts of issues around the stress here.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Tim will say the manager is wrong because the behavior is wrong. It's inappropriate. And I wouldn't disagree with that, but the mm-hmm. manager isn't going to apologize.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Manager believes, in effect, yep. Tim is tough. Tim is senior. Tim should be able to take it. And for whatever cause, that manager is not going to apologize. It isn't going to happen. So, what do you recommend yep. Tim to do?
2: Well, let me start. Go back to the corporate culture, though. Um, it, corporate culture is kind of like I said about families. Um, if if the people who are leaders in the culture, uh, if they can uh, d- model uh, recon- forgiveness and reconciliation, that flows down the, the pipe pretty well and helps others to do it. And if the, if the corporation is built around you have to protect yourself and you can't ever be wrong or you can't ever make a mistake, then you're going to have to, the person is going to say, it's not my fault, it's your fault. Um so the 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 manager who will not will not con, uh, confess, do not does not think manager is wrong, probably is in an environment that is saying you, you, there's no there's no uh, zero tolerance. We don't have any room for mistakes. We don't have any room for human errors. Mm-hmm. And so. That the that's where the manager probably is coming from. Uh, yeah. The other thing, uh, most of our, our need to be right, our drive to be right, uh, is based on shame. Really, it's a shame based uh, mentality. That if we are wrong, then we're going to be exposed and shamed. There's they'll, and people will see there's something wrong with us, something wrong about. Not that I've done something wrong, but something wrong about me. And so okay. shame is a is a is a big piece of of uh, that we're trying that we try to hide. Um, right. Anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah. And we've talked
2: uh, the. To, to, okay. Let me, uh, let, me okay, let me come back to the to Tim now. And so. Okay. Um, the, so so Tim needs to come to terms with with, with the reality that he is not going to have a good relationship with his manager. That that's not he's not going to have the kind of relationship that that he would like to have with his manager. Because yeah. the manager is not willing to participate in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I want to go back and pick up one other thing about forgiveness in a relationship right in this, this moment. In a play, in in a situation with manager and Tim, uh, the manager has more power. The manager has has much more going for for this for him or her than Tim does. Mm-hmm. And the person who's in the power really needs to take the initiative. So if okay. I were coaching this, I, that's what I would say to the manager. Uh, listen, regardless of who you think is right or wrong, this is, you need to hear yeah. Tim out. You need to find out how he is, okay. how he is hurt. Okay. Um, and so, so uh, take an initiative. Uh, it may be with a person who's been injured or need to do it, or it may be the person who's done the injury take the initiative. Yes, you to do it. Uh, right. Tim needs to get some emotional objectivity. Um, okay. Find find some ways to uh, to uh, understand this behavior and, and from, from an objective point. And sometimes that's not easy to do. I mean, that's just sometimes that's what I do for a living. It's <laughs> what just what we do right. for coaching is uh, yeah, help right. people to to, um, uh, to 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 get some more objectivity about their situation. But um the the and so I would say to Tim one thing, get get somebody to help you do this. Don't try to do it all by yourself because mm-hmm. um it's not it's it, it's more of a process. Um I would talk to Tim about what he's getting out of holding on to this. Is it is it his protection? It is his uh is it, is it his safety? Is he trying to uh assure that he'll be safe? Um is he holding on to this, um in order to hoping uh, that that somehow this can be reversed or it can be different, that the, mm-hmm. that the past will be different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're the kind of things, internal work, that Tim needs to do. That's his personal work. And it has nothing to do with the manager. Yeah. Um, and so Tim's forgiveness is a, a forgiveness for himself. So he sleeps better. He is more uh, aware, he is more open. He, he is uh, forgiveness is for him, and and not for the manager. Um, okay. And and that usually needs some help. But it again, it is a process. And the other thing I would say to Tim is give yourself some time to do this. Mm-hmm. This is not going to happen in five minutes. Not going to mm-hmm. happen in one conversation. But okay, uh, yeah.
1: In your experience, sure. how much time does it take for this process for someone like Tim?
2: The truth of it is my experience that that depends on the past. Okay. Um, someone who has been traumatized and now gets injured again, it may be another traumatic experience. Um, so it, it depends on what has happened in the past and how what they bring to the event mm-hmm. um, it has has to do with time. So I, I would say the, some of this, if it's if it's a traumatic history, sometimes it takes six months or a year to a therapy to do work with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but otherwise, I, I would say that this is a month or two process. This is something spend some time okay. doing. I, I would recommend journaling. Um, I would, And and the journaling is not about what the other person has done. It's about how you've been hurt, what hurt you, and what you okay. did. Okay. Yeah.
1: So how I've been hurt, how I feel about that... Mm-hmm. And what I did,
2: yeah. Okay. Let me say one more thing about the feelings and the words. Um, yeah. One of the reasons that it's that it helps to put into words these emotional hurts and injuries is because the emotional part of our brain is not, does not have language and it doesn't is not reason rational. And but when you put words to it, when you write it, when you speak it, it. Brings it to a part of the brain that is rational, that does have language, that can make some decisions. The emotions do not make decisions. They're just what they are, and they're going to be there tomorrow. Um, So putting this into words, and I, I see this in people doing personal therapy. They put parts of their history into words. And they tell the story, and sometimes they have to tell it over and over again. But sooner or later, it begins to sink into a different part of their brain, and their brain is functioning in a different way and is not defaulting to the emotion. Um, the, the, and the reason we want to, the reason forgiveness for, for Tim or, or anyone is, for, forgiveness is for me, is because I do not need to be spending the emotional energy. Um, and I do not let, need to let this injury run my life or dominate my job. Uh, and so it's my work to get beyond it in, in, in some way. Okay.
1: Or force this energy for me to leave a job that I'm actually really good at and can be very productive at, or go to a job that's a really bad job for me because I'm trying to avoid something that I need to actually do some work with. Yes. Um, I will tell you. If you're interested in the outcome of this particular story, it is true that the manager in this case with Tim was part of a system. There was a bit of a sick system, so mm-hmm. it's the manager didn't wake up one morning and decide, "Let me see how cruel I can be." The manager was struggling with their own issues, as often as the case, exactly as you speculated. Um, and in this particular case, Tim has decided that he is going to move on to a different company. And I think, as you're right, the challenge is making sure that for Tim, for himself, he's forgiven so that he's not using any energy thinking about it or defaulting to his own past behaviors.
2: Yes. Very interesting. Yes. Great. Okay.
1: Um, because
2: the corporation, is the, the, the system is so powerful that the manager... Has little chance of changing much. No.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I know we both think about it. And I think about it very strongly that people exist in the system. And it's not just yeah. an individual's choices right. all in and of themselves. There's a whole series of chain reactions that you, until you look at the system, you'd actually don't understand what's driving some of the behaviors.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the reasons the reconciliation work uh, in South Africa with uh, Nelson Mandela went so well because he worked with the whole system, not just okay. people.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and true. That was that was the whole. And if you know anything about that history, again, we come back to what you said in the very very beginning. People had to confess for very specific things, as in. Yeah. I killed this child in this way on this day, and I'm asking for your forgiveness. It was very specific, and I think that's also, as you've said, that's part yes. of the process here. Okay.
2: Yes, and it also is a face; it's a one-to-one in in, in a sense. It's you have the experience of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've uh, worked with several families who have uh, gone or are going and have gone through the process of forgiving someone who's in prison who has murdered. One of their family members. Mm -hmm. Um, And inevitably, when the person in prison becomes a real person, a human person, and you really get to know this person, often, very often, they build a pretty good relationship. It's amazing. And part of that reason is because of the vulnerability that it takes to get there. Wow. It takes the relationship stronger.
1: Actually, can get to the place where someone who has murdered a family member, they can see the murderer as a human being.
2: Yeah, and one more step, they can also see the murderer in themselves. That's that's the tough one to swallow.
1: Yeah, I'll say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right. We don't want to see that. <laughs> that. We don't want to think that we well, that we have that potential, okay. and that, that's a, a yeah. We all we all do have those, uh, th- that potential. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like I could ever yeah. kill someone. But I'm, there's a part in me that I'm sure, and, and in all human beings, that the right circumstances, yes, yeah, we would do that.
1: I do believe that provoked to the right level of anger, with the right, with a whole host of circumstances, that it it would be possible. But boy, is that a hard one to swallow! It comes back to the very beginning. What you said is that we have to admit that we are all capable of betraying and disappointing and hurting somebody, sometimes unintentionally and sometimes intentionally.
2: Well, one of my supervisors, I uh, my therapy. Supervisors used to say, everyone does the best they can all the time. That's been hard for me to come to terms with, but that is pretty true. Not easy to swallow.
1: Okay, so we've got two polar opposites here, Mac. One is that we have to recognize that all of us have the potential to do quite strong harm to someone else under the right circumstances. Hopefully none of us do that. And that yes. everybody is doing the best they can all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And the person who, who has hurt you uh, is really no different than you. If you were in the same circumstances, it's very possible. I'm not saying it's always, always true, but it's very possible that that part is in you too. Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting. We were talking about Tim. It's interesting that, you know, as if I were to walk around Tim's team and ask how has Tim been as a manager, I would get some comparable accusations on Tim's behavior. And I come back to the whole notion that Tim is part of his system, and it is mm-hmm. the stress levels get to Tim. He's perfectly capable of passing on some of the same things that he is so offended by in his manager.
2: Absolutely. He will do it unconsciously.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And- Self justifying. Okay, back, we're almost at a close. I want to see if I can try to wrap this up in any sort of package here. I want to repeat what you've said is that forgiveness is for me. I don't actually need to ever tell the person that I have forgiven them. In fact, to do so is to say that it's about me, it's not about the other person. And it's but the unless, journey they it.
2: unless they ask. Yeah.
1: Unless they ask. OK. Yeah. And the journey is admitting, confessing to myself that I am capable of doing harm. It's helpful if I recognize where I need to be forgiven for something and I have gone through a process of being forgiven. Then I know what it takes to forgive. Right. And then I have to get some emotional objectivity to understand the behavior of the other person um, to to drop the judgments about why they did it, how they did it. Maybe even to get to know that person a bit more as a human, as an individual. And to be willing, again, to let go of the grudge. And to be willing to live with the history is the history and to give it some time. Did I do a decent job of that?
2: Yes, good job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. It's complicated, long, with many, many prongs. So I understand why we fall short on forgiveness way too often because it takes a lot of effort.
2: Yeah, and and it's really hard to do by yourself. you have to you need someone to bounce this stuff off to be able to do it. It's really that's hard to do it yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um right. I wanna leave one word. Sorry, uh, yes, one please. uh phrase is a family system word. Have we got time for that?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Differentiation. Okay. Uh, differentiation means That you have the ability to maintain some objective emotional objectivity in a system that's in turmoil and still stay connected to the major parts of it. So, one of the tests of forgiveness is your ability to be emotionally objective in the presence of the person who has injured you and not let that be ruling you, dominating your thought or talk conversation.
1: Okay. All right. So a differentiation, the ability to maintain emotional objectivity in a system that's in turmoil and stay in connection with people with the, causing Major injury. And,
2: yes. yes. Yeah. That's not mine. That's Mary Bowen's uh, statement, yeah, actually.
1: Okay. Fabulous. It's, I do yeah. say to people all the time that it is possible to stay here and work with this manager that is driving you absolutely batty and not go nuts yourself. It is possible. And you've just confirmed yes. that it is. But boy, does it take a lot of work. And the secret meaning, emotional objectivity.
2: Yes, it's possible. And I, I, But I can promise you, if you do, if a person does the work, they will be doing the growing. They will benefit <laughs> from it. They, they, that kind of process, that kind of pain, that kind of work brings enormous benefits. Not just in that relationship, but in all other relationships. Great.
1: Mac, we're out of time. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Um, We always run out of time.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Mac Wallace, 30-plus years of experience helping people work together in all aspects of life, from families to relationships to forgiveness to communities to church. Mac, thanks again. And join us next week for another episode in How to Get Out of Your Comfort Zone.
0: Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.